Hi, and welcome to the Art Tutors podcast. Alisa speaking, and in this episode, I'm meeting Jay Choi, who is an international filmmaker, theater director, writer, and editor. Jay is native of South Korea, and she's worked and studied in Sydney, Seoul, London, Berlin, and now Oslo. Jay has showcased her short films at multiple international film festivals, including Encounters in the UK, Helsinki, and Reykjavik. She's also won several nominations and prizes in London and Seoul. One fun fact about Jay is that she was actually approached by the director for Christopher Nolan's Inception, who asked her to audition for a part which was, however, later changed to a male character. And on this note, I'd like to welcome you, Jay, to our podcast. Hi, lovely to be here, Elisa. Lovely to have you here. So I want to start with um, just saying that we all love films. And uh, when you think about it, we know so little about uh, uh, the art of filmmaking. So today, Jay, I wanted to talk about uh, what it actually takes to make movies. Who is working on the movies behind the scenes? Filmmaking is extremely difficult and exhausting and stressful, but also very fun and rewarding. There are, I'd say, five stages to film directing. So the first stage is development, where you conceive of the idea, develop the idea, search funding and write the script. Second stage is pre-production, where you go through casting and finding locations, coming up with a costume and coming up with shot lists, getting all the crew in that stage. And then there's filming, which is the third stage. Pretty obvious what that's about. And then the fourth stage, which is post-production. So all the editing like and the special effects, sound editing happens. And then the final stage is seeing the film go out into the world. So you do marketing, distribution, and go to film festivals. In terms of the people who are involved with filmmaking, um, there are actors and directors and producers who are uh, the roles that the public are most familiar with, I think. But there are also loads and loads of people behind the camera working constantly before the shoot, after the shoot, and um, on the set. And these people are makeup people, set designers, lighting people, sound people, camera people, caterers, finance people. And ideally, every role has to be filled out by someone who's done the job before or is very qualified for the job. And that's because even if it's a very small role, if one person is out of sync, then everything starts slowing down. And on a film set, time is very important because time is money and you have a very limited amount of money. So filling each role with the right person is very important. Like a well-oiled machine, it has to run. Right. Wow, it sounds like a lot of work and a lot of effort. Yeah, but there are huge rewards to it. Right. That's actually a great description because we know films from the screen, right? And it's so much work behind it. So it's a great introduction. And indeed, it sounds like it is a lot of work to make movies. And mm -hmm. I know you're a film director, so you've probably worked a lot on your movies lately. Yeah, with a lot of other people as well. 
that's where the joy partly comes from because um, there are so many people involved in the process and um, each person brings their talent to the table. As a director, I'm not an expert on anything. I'm just an expert on the film. Everyone else is the expert in their field and my job is to just give them answers when they have questions and show them what the vision is. And the most amazing thing about filmmaking, even though there are sacrifices, is the fact that once you meet someone that you can really trust, whether that's an actor or a cinematographer or an editor, you want to work with them again and again and again. And you build a very deep trusting relationship and it almost feels like the family or a relative. So after the shoot, you don't meet again. It's not like your friends, but yeah. for the next project you meet up and it's like a family gathering, you know? You have deep trust and you make something amazing together. That's a true teamwork. Yes, it is. It's amazing. I know that you have done many short films. Mm. And uh, we see that many artists and uh, up-and-coming filmmakers, they make a lot of short films. And uh, we can often see short films at different film festivals. However, most of us are used to feature films and to a normal film length, which is around two hours. We normally don't see short films in the commercial space, mostly we see them in the festival. So the question that I will ask you now is something other people may have also thought about or reflected or tried to understand. So why do actually people make short movies when we see them so little in the commercial space? And uh, are short films viewed any differently in terms of being art? than features? Mm, that's a very interesting question. Um, I'd say the reason why people don't often encounter short films um, as much as they'd like to, <laughs> I hope, is because they're not usually filmed for commercial purposes. As a director, you need to have about two to three short films under your belt in order to get funding for a feature film, which is the dream of every like director wannabe. And it's mostly because um, making a film costs so much, so no one's going to put money into a person that hasn't proved themselves through like a shorter form. And that's why people end up making short films in early, early on in their career. And so, once you make them, the goal is to make that your calling card and also send it to festivals where you can awards um, and build credit. But there are ways to earn money from it um, by selling it to channels like NR Core or like airlines. And in that way, like certain short films get to be seen by the public. You can also put it online on Vimeo. It sounds actually a little bit like a you know, what you do in the startup world when you set up a new company and uh, you're looking for funding, mm. but then a lot of investors, they want to see your traction or proof of concept before they actually invest in your company. Yeah. And it sounds a bit like some, the same thing that you do for the movies because you need to show the proof of, of your talent, the proof of your work with the short movies before you actually get to do the real thing. Yeah, and sometimes it works exactly as you said, like before you make a feature film, you'll make a very short version of it to show it to investors, and then they go, oh, I want to invest in it, and then you get to make that into a longer film. 
yeah but in terms of like the value of it artistic value of it when you're making a short film you don't think oh this is my calling card it really is a piece of artwork for you as a creator right so you put in everything you've got right so you already mentioned that uh, the audience uh, for the short films would then be uh, maybe public tv channels or airlines and uh, my next question is then how can the audience help up-and-coming film creators to support film creators and uh, how can we help to make short films more available and uh, basically promote artists and mm -hmm. film directors like yourself the more people go to film festivals where short films are shown the better for us the people who make them if you're a filmmaker and you're at a film festival with an audience who's watching your film it's like one of the best feelings in the world if it goes well mm -hmm. because you get to see people laugh when you didn't expect them to laugh or like be moved by things you didn't really thought was think was moving um, so going to film festivals to see short films that's a huge contribution that people can make Secondly, there are several platforms where people can see short films. Um, Vimeo is a good place. Vimeo oftentimes picks their own like collection of short films that they recommend to viewers. Also, there's a website called Talking Shorts and then Short of the Week. They also have a selection of very good short films. That's uh, a good advice and I hope uh, both myself and our audience will actually check out some of these uh, channels because uh, I have myself come across really good short films uh, with great messages on, among other, Vimeo, which is one of my favorite platforms to discover. Really? <laughs> yeah. So it seems like it is time consuming to build up a career as a film director and a filmmaker. And um, before you eventually become successful, mm. how do film directors survive and uh, where do you actually find financing? Mm. Especially early in your career. Yeah, how does one survive? <laughs> yeah, um, in my case, I did a lot of work that was unrelated to filmmaking. For example, um, translating. I translated a lot of... Uh, K-pop shows and K-drama shows um, back in Korea. <laughs> so if you uh, saw a K-pop show with English subtitles on it, it might have been <laughs> translated by me. I also did translating for like the LA police department and stuff. Other filmmakers, they find work on film sets or commercials, but not as directors. So they'll be like runners. Runners are people who are at the bottom of the <laughs> ladder mm -hmm. on a film set. They have to do all the things that other people tell them to do. And and then you earn money or you'll be in casting or whatever. And so basically it's kind of like any other passionate job that you want to pursue, I guess. You have to find money in other ways, in other jobs first. Right. Yeah. And um, in terms of funding, once you make some short films with your own funding, then you can start presenting it to funding bodies, like public funding bodies, and each country usually has a few. And then you would get public funding, if you're lucky. And alongside the public funding, you have to also find commercial funding. 
um, which could come from production companies or private investors or your own financing. Yeah. Right. What would be your advice to the young filmmakers? Stay true to your obsessions would be my advice. Um, by that, I mean, I think oftentimes we're afraid of our obsessions. It's something very personal, something related to a past trauma. Um, and we try to smooth it out and pretend it's not there and try to make a film that we think will please everyone, you know. But those kind of films, they're not going to stand out because it doesn't come from a deep, unique place inside you. And it's very important to kind of follow that obsession you have and be honest about it and find a way to express it with your films. And throughout the course of making the film, you'll be challenged or asked to water it down, whether it's from the funding body that you've received money from or other head of departments. They'll try to want, make it a bit more accessible or okay. neutral, you know? Um, and sometimes it's really good advice, you know? But at the end of the day, it's kind of your responsibility as a director to hold on to that first feeling, that first obsession that you had, because ultimately that's what's going to carry you on through the whole entire process of filmmaking. And it's a very long, difficult process. And also, uh, when everyone on set asks you artistic questions, it has to come from this gut feeling, you know, there is no answer, but you have it and you have it because it came from your obsession. If that makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you for your great advice and um, no thank you for your time. It's been uh, great to talk about the uh, film industry and actually get really good insight into what's going on behind the scenes and behind the screen. And uh, we are going to meet next time as well for the next podcast where we will talk about some hot issues in the film industry today. I say goodbye for now and uh, thank you everyone for listening and don't forget to, to tune in to our next podcast. Bye. Bye.